Hello, and welcome to Memory Card. My name is Ben Bertoli. And my name is Push Dustin. And we are here to illuminate some weird and wonderful gaming history. Every episode, one of us will take on the role of the expert and describe the story behind an interesting character, game, console, or accessory. And there may be some episodes where we're both the expert, or a guest expert stops by. This podcast is a bit of an experiment, so we're just going to have fun with it. Are you ready, Push? Ready. Okay, let's boot up episode one. This is Ben, and I am the expert on this very first episode. And for our initial episode, our pilot, we're going to talk about this very underground, you know, indie title that you've probably never heard of. It's called Pokemon. Oh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> you never heard of that one, Push? No, nope, never. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. So Pokemon, for those of you who don't know, um, and it's weird if you don't, but that's fine, is <laughs> basically a series of games for the Nintendo handheld systems developed by Game Freak, where you catch monsters and you trade them and you battle them and you try and earn gym badges and you go on magical adventures. Mm-hmm. So, Push, what's your background with Pokemon? Did you play the games right from the start, or when did you jump on uh, the bandwagon there? So, I'm the type of Pokemon fan that a lot of Pokemon fans hate. Like, I have a a lot of experience with the Kanto region, the very first ones. I think they're red, blue, yellow. In Japan, it was green. Then I kind of stopped playing Pokemon for, like, several years. And I didn't get back to Pokemon until black and white. Mm. So, I had that huge gap of, of knowledge, actually, with Pokemon. With Black and White, I got back into it partly because they were pandering to the Kanto region fans like myself. <laughs> and then I played a little bit of Sun and Moon. Oh, and X and Y. I, I kind of had that lull, too. I, I was huge into Red and Blue um, when they first launched in America. And then Gold and Silver, I was way into those. And then I kind of uh, lost a little bit after that with, I think it was like Ruby and Sapphire or something, the, the Game Boy Advance era. I think I've played every main series um, you know, at least one of the entries since it initially began. And I mean, right off the bat, like Pokemon, I mean, the, the original craze, I was like patient zero at my elementary school. I'm pretty sure I was the first one to introduce Pokemon cards and probably the reason why they got banned <laughs> from the school. And uh, in an unfortunate accident, I, I taped over my little brother's ultrasound with an episode of Pokemon. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was not on purpose. I just grabbed a tape. And I said, this looks blank enough. And I put it in. And it was, I, I distinctly remember it because one, because my my mother was extremely angry with me because, you know, that was like a one of a kind thing. Yep. But also because it was the episode where Pikachu fights Raichu, which is like very iconic, right? Yeah, it's a very good episode. So Pokemon, you know, is kind of this huge, I mean, it is like the biggest media franchise in the world. So let me set the scene here for, for kind of the start of this, because, you know, Pokemon is not a story that people don't know. That's a, it's a pretty common one. But I feel like there's one Pokemon that kind of stands out that people don't know as much about as they maybe think they do. Yeah. Let me set the scene. Tokyo, late 1980s. And there's a new magazine that's come out by these like avid video game fans. And it's called Game Freak. Mm-hmm. And that is the start of Game Freak, the development company. They began as a magazine. They got like hand drawn pictures and they, you know, everything. It's kind of like you're going to run down to Kinko's, make a couple of copies and sell them, you know, at the local bookstore, that kind of thing. 
they eventually become an actual development company, obviously, you know, for Sega and for Nintendo. And do you know what year the development of Pokemon actually began? Take a, take a guess. I know it's way longer than it was because it was in development hell for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 91. Close, 1990. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like that, it's one of the very first projects that they get into is uh, this thing that they call Capsule Monsters. And they pitch it to Nintendo. And Nintendo's like, no, that won't sell. We don't <laughs> want that. So, the original two games, Red and Green, like you mentioned before, they came out in February of 1996. But the planning and development for the series actually began all the way back in 1990, which was right after the commercial release for the Game Boy itself, which was in um, like the spring of 1989. Mm-hmm. So, they were like, oh, there's this hot new toy that's out, and we're going to, you know, take advantage of it. And then, you know, it takes them six years. Like you said, they were stuck in development hell there for a long time. Even their original release date was supposed to be in December of 1995, and they didn't hit that. And so the people at Game Freak were, for lack of better terms, freaking out because they thought that the Game Boy was kind of like de passe. Like, oh, no one's going to want to play this anymore. Like, this is outdated tech. You know, we've waited too long. Mm-hmm. And then the original two games came out and they did okay. Like for the first few months, they weren't like some grand slam, you know, out of the gates, amazing uh, hit that we know them as today. Yeah. The biggest thing the games had going for them was basically that there was this co-op type of feel because of the two versions where you had to trade and battle if you wanted to get the full experience. What was your uh, color of choice at the beginning there, Push? I was a blue. Oh, man, I was a red, so it was perfect, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could trade, and we could get all 150. What was your favorite Pokemon from the original generation? Uh, it's, it's a mix between Jolteon and Mew. Man, my favorite is Snorlax. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I, just like, I, I think I like his attitude of laying around and sleeping all day. Yeah. Even though I've never been a very large uh, person, you know, like I, I've never been a very hefty person. I just I, I liked his swagger. I love the icons for um, Snorlax over the games. Like, they've slowly been standing up. Right, yeah. He started out (laughs) on the ground in a very lethargic position, and slowly he's getting to his feet. It just took him, you know, 15, 20 years. I can relate. That's how I feel every morning. You said your favorite Pokemon was Mew, and Mew was the 151st Pokemon. It was the hidden one. Yep. So if you were going to describe what Mew looked like to someone who had never seen it, how would you describe Mew? Um, Kind of like a cat. Like an yeah. alien cat. Space cat. Yep. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so back in those early days, you know, 1990, when Game Freak was developing this Capsule Monsters or Pocket Monsters game, um, you know, they were trying to apply these trademarks to everything, you know, like they didn't want people to steal their intellectual property. And the very first Pokemon to ever be submitted for an official trademark was, I'm going to take a guess. Was it Mew? It was Mew. Yeah, it was Mew. And Mew's kind of the Pokemon that I want to talk about today, just because, I mean, I guess a lot of people don't realize, like, how far back Mew goes and how it was kind of like, uh, it was so influential in helping Pokemon. Before they even registered Pocket Monsters, like the title, or Pikachu, yeah. or Jigglypuff, there was Mew, like, from the very start, you know, this little cuddly pink space cat with huge eyes. Is Mew pink? Mew's pink, right? Mew is pink, I believe. I'm colorblind, so I just double <laughs> check. <laughs> I've made that mistake before in the past, assuming that I knew what colors things were. So basically, back when Nintendo president Satoru Iwata was the 
the, the big wig, the guy in charge. And I will say right now, terrible at pronouncing uh, Japanese names. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're there. You're my, you're my translator guy. So he sat down with uh, Ishihara, I believe it was, who's like the CEO of the Pokemon mm-hmm. company, and uh, Morimoto, and they they talked about the initial uh, launch of Red and Green and how it was so hectic. Yep. And Ishihara said in a quote that there's no denying that Mew's existence played an extremely significant role in the launch of the series. And basically what happened was they, they had gone through and they, they had this debug mode that was on the cartridge mm-hmm. and they knew that there was going to be space when they took it off because they're not going to leave that on there for the consumer. So they have these 300 bytes of free space and they thought, oh, you know what? Let's secretly slide this extra Pokemon like onto the cartridge without telling people like Nintendo didn't know. Most of the developers at Game Freak didn't know. Yep. It was just this handful of people who were like, hey, this is a good idea, which is completely reckless like nowadays if you would like went through and debugged the game and then you dropped like an extra bit of content on there you know that could be yeah without testing it yeah exactly that's a <laughs> terrible terrible idea because it could go horribly wrong yeah so they kind of dropped it on there and you know all three of them basically said it, it was more of like an inside joke it was they didn't even think they were actually going to be able to use it it was it was kind of like a prank like hey guess what we put this in there you know we didn't tell you guys but it's, <laughs> it's on there so yeah and they basically thought it would stay a secret and be hidden from the players but what happened was when it launched eventually like some games glitch people like you know wandered into some weird areas and then like mew somehow became available and so they were like okay we're gonna admit that we know that this thing exists and in the April 1996 edition of Koro Koro Comics, they basically said, okay, we're going to give 20 people this awesome legendary Pokemon. If you win, you send us your cartridge, we put it on there and we send it back to you, which is such a weird and novel idea at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how, how many people do you think entered that contest? So they're saying, hey, we have the 20 of this special Pokemon, you know, right in. How many people do you think entered it? Probably 1,000. More. Um, 10,000. 78,000 people. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> or children or uh, adults who were super into Pokemon, which is the thing. Like, Pokemon, you know, like I said, it, it kind of had a slow start. So at this point, it was picking up momentum, but mm-hmm. it, it was this this contest that that was like you can have this specific thing that no one else can have. Well, 20 other people in the world are going to have. Yep. So at that point, Pokemon, like, takes off. Thanks to Mew and this contest, you know, it like makes the news and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, Pokemon is the game to have. Mm -hmm. So do you know the background of Mew? And in the in the original games, uh, do you remember what Mew's background is? Like um, Mew gave birth to Mewtwo on like February something, I believe. Yeah. So basically like Mewtwo, which is such an original name, basically, you know, is the second Mew. But the weirdest thing about the description for Mew is that even in the game, it says that Mew was discovered in the jungles of Guyana, which is a real place, Yeah. which (laughs) as far as I can tell, as far as my detailed Pokemon research has found, there's not any other Pokemon that's like linked to a real world location, which is pretty significant because I've always imagined that Pokemon is like its own world. It's like its own thing. Kanto is based on an actual part of Japan, right? And then there's like France and there's America, you know, (laughs) New York City. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing. But like, where is Guyana? Where does it fall within the Pokemon world? Is it the same as our Guyana? It's just very strange that South America somehow exists also in this world. Have you ever read that like fan fiction of Pokemon takes place after like a huge war? 
No, I haven't. What's the what's the what's the general uh, overview on that? Basically, there was like a nuclear holocaust. Oh gosh. And and like a huge battle that like wiped out a lot of people. This is like why there's like um so many people without fathers in the Pokemon game. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> because they just all died in war and these Pokemon are a result of mutation from the atomic bombs. Oh gosh. Oh, so like Pokemon are are like mutants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, I I when I look at a Machamp, I think that used to be a dude, right? <laughs> like that's probably that's Ash's a, dad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's Mr. Mime, right? Isn't oh, that yeah. the fan theory? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. So yeah, so Mew is uh, is launched and has this you know weird background, and and you know when it comes to America, people are obviously reading about it, and and they know that Mew exists, but once again, like you know there is no magazine giveaway at that point. Mew is just some like legendary thing, and Pokemon has always been a series. Where people, you know, thought, oh, if you did this, if you walk this way and turn and then fly, you know, it's like the missing no glitch. Yeah. You know, there was rumors of you could get out if you push the truck next to the SSN, you would get Mew. I do have I do have a confession. I um the first website I started was actually a Pokemon website and um it was called Thunder Punch. Um, after Electabuzz's move, I would write those rumors. Like I, I wouldn't write like make them up. I would like oh, okay. post a collection of them. Gotcha. Like this is how you get the Poke Gods. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember someone did like a Photoshop of like a bunch of Starmies or Staryus together, and it was like, if you want to get Star Us, and I was like, Star Us, I'm like whoa, <laughs> I can't believe it. Like what an amazing name. <laughs> I can't remember what amazing thing you had to do to get Star Us or uh, Pika Blue was another one. Yep. Yep. Mew 3. Oh, Mew 3. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't forget about Mew 3. I'm, st- I'm still surprised that there's not a Mew 3 yet. That seems like something yep. that Nintendo would have done by now. Or Game Freak, I should say. So the first time, even before Pokemon comes out in America, in the January 98 issue of Nintendo Power, uh nintendo used to have a thing called space world if you remember it's basically like their own little e3 and so they're showing off like zelda 64 and super mario rpg 2 and the nintendo 64 disc drive you know like the future of entertainment here yeah there was only two pokemon they mentioned by name and one was pikachu and the other was mew but they they spelled it differently than it is spelled today it's it they spelled it m-y-u-u yeah and the reason that it's m-y-u-u for that event is because that's how it's spelled in japanese oh okay well that makes sense then at this point, Nintendo was like, okay, uh, 78,000 people who wanted Mew, we're going to give you a chance here. And there was uh, 100,000 Mews were given away at Space World 97, yep. which is insane because that means people had to actually come up with their cartridge and put it into like the special Mew machine, and then they gave it to them. But this is like a mecca. We're going to drive to Space World. I do have a random factoid about the Space World Mew event. Uh, do you know the, um, the trainer name for those Mews? The trainer name? Yeah. No, I do not. Like the one that shows up in the Pokedex? Yeah, it would be like Yoshi and like Mario, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. I guess that would be a nice little like nod in there, right? Did you watch the Pokemon uh, cartoon series when it came out? Yeah, I watched it when okay. I was growing up, yeah. And so obviously, I bet you remember, you know, those, op- those first like opening drum beats, like, you know, I want to be the very best. You saw Mew and Mewtwo like fly through the sky. Yeah. They used Mew and Mewtwo as like the big pull, even though Pikachu was the face of it, for the very first Pokemon movie. So Pokemon the movie comes out in 1999, and this is the same year that Nintendo is finally like, okay, 
people who live in, you know, not Japan. <laughs> We're going to give you the, the chance to go get Mew. And they did like a Toys R Us thing where you could come and get it on a special day at certain Toys R Us. And I think there was a Nintendo Power giveaway. And uh, there was even some uh, like a traveling Pokemon uh, training league tour that offered, you know, Mew to select winners mm-hmm. if you won that kind of thing. Looking back, I never thought Mew was like that big a deal. Like I wanted Mew and at some point I went down a very uh, dark path in my life and I used a Game Shark to get Mew. And, and I felt so bad about it that I immediately just traded it away to someone else who wanted it. <laughs> um, I, I did uh, use a Game Shark to start off with a Mew one playthrough. I did like three or four playthroughs of Pokemon Blue. So this was when you were a kid, not later on in life? Yeah, when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Pokemon Blue is like one of my favorite games. And um, I had a Game Shark, so I was just like, you know, I'm just going to start off with a Mew and go through the whole story like that. And that was pretty fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Although I bet, I mean, was that Mew like pretty powerful considering? Oh, yeah. I was gonna yeah, because it could, could learn any move. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brock and Misty stand no chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the skinny on Mew. This adorable monster that was there from the very beginning was added into the games uh, at the last second, pretty much as a literal inside joke. Um, Mew helped build hype around Pokemon in the early days and kept the craze of catching them all alive for quite some time after launch with appearances in shows and movies and card games. I guess you could say of all the legendary Pokemon, Mew is probably the most legendary. Absolutely. That's all from us for now. Thanks for listening to our very first episode. We'd like to give a special shout out to Game Boy Chiptune Master Jamatar, who allowed us to use his track Midori as opening and closing music. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or want to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter. Ben can be found at Super Bentendo, and I can be found at Push Dust In. Be on the lookout for episode two dropping soon. See ya.